Jan and I do not always have the same taste in television. Um, <clears throat> for some reason, she does not like storage wars. <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> I think it's awesome. I really love storage wars. I hate Dave Hester, but I <clears throat> really love storage wars. And although she does, I don't like most programming on Lifetime. Uh, or as my son Paul says, the I Hate Men Network. <clears throat> now, we have found a program on HGTV that both of us really like. It's called Fixer Upper. How many of you watch Fixer Upper? Oh, we got applause, yeah. <clears throat> and it's exactly what it sounds like. They... Uh, in the word of, it's, it's Chip and, and Joanna Gaines. I think my wife watches it for Chip, and I watch it for Joanna. But, <clears throat> but uh, they uh, go into, they say they pick the worst house in the best neighborhood, and, <clears throat> and they, they remodel that house. And they're professionals, and this program originates out of Waco, Texas. I, I rarely blanketly endorse a television program, but I really <laughs> endorse this program. Uh, they are obviously Christians, and <clears throat> you can actually see some testimony online from uh, Joanna Gaines. And they do some pretty amazing things with some sad and run-down houses. Um, I, I tell you that because I'm beginning a, a short series, I think five weeks, a short series that I've titled Fixer Upper. And the reason that we're going to have this series called Fixer Upper is because God is in the amazing work of fixing up that which is broken and run down uh, in our lives. <clears throat> in fact, He can take something broken and run down and fix it up so much <clears throat> that you don't even recognize it as the same place. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. This morning, we're going to ask God to fix up our spirit. The psalmist said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit. Renew a right spirit within me. And even though we are new creations in Christ when we're saved, there is the tendency to get run down, even broken <clears throat> down. And our text tells us how we get this way. It's usually because of some kind of neglect. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 Verse 7 begins our text. But we have this treasure in jars of clay <clears throat> to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, <clears throat> but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus <clears throat> so that the, 
life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe and so I speak, we also believe that we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. All of us, all of us in this room, those who may be watching through live streaming, wherever they may be, all of us go through times when our spirit just seems to be down. When our spirit just struggles some. We can't necessarily point to a physical reason for it. And we know that we are Christians and we have hope in Him, but still we are off our game to give a sports analogy this morning. We're off our game for some reason. We're just down. You may know someone who seems to be always on top, but it's just that. They seem to be always on top. No one is ever always on top. Everyone has a time of struggle. Everyone struggles in their spirit. All of us do. This isn't a message for everybody else. This is a message for you. Now our text gives us some insight as to why it's this way, first of all. It's the life we live. Everybody lives life. And no two of us have the same lives. No two of us have the same circumstances of life. We meet at certain intersections of life, but we never travel the exact same road. Even husbands and wives do not have the exact same life. Even brothers, sisters, brothers and sisters, people in a family do not have the exact same life. We're at different places in our lives. We're at different places of understanding. We're at different places of upbringing. We are at different places of being who we are. Life choices, confidence, phobias, all of those things are different for each one of us, but we all have them. We just aren't the same. 
But some things we do hold in common. That is that we have to live life. And here's a reality about the life that we live. There are certain things that happen to us in the reality of life. The Hope Diamond is one of the largest and most famous gems in all the world. It is over 45 carats. It's actually, it's more than 45 and a half carats in weight. <clears throat> and it's valued at around $250 million. If you owned the Hope Diamond, you could retire. <clears throat> it is a very expensive diamond. It was first documented in 1812 and is currently housed at the Smithsonian Institute. Now you can be sure that extreme measures are in place to keep that diamond where it belongs, to keep that diamond secure. Could you imagine if I had today, and I should have brought one, if I had a bag from the Dollar Tree If I had a bag from the Dollar Tree and I held it up and I told you, hey, guess what? I have the Hope Diamond inside of this Dollar Tree bag. Inside of this thin, flimsy bag, I have the most expensive and rare jewel in the whole world, worth $250 million, and I've got it right here inside of this Dollar Tree bag. You say, that's ridiculous. No one would carry something so precious and valuable around in a Dollar Tree bag. That's true. Yet, our reality is that our most valuable possession is that our most valuable possession is being carried around in a container that is decaying. The most valuable possession, our soul. The most valuable possession, who we are. The most valuable possession, who God made us. Paul said, this treasure is in jars of clay to show that the surprising power belongs to God and not to us. We are carrying around the treasure of God in jars of clay. The grandeur of the message is set against the unworthiness of the vessel that brings it. And and it helps us to understand that, that we should rely on the message and not the worthiness of the messenger. If I today preach a sermon that is memorable to you, if I today preach a sermon that you think Man, what a message. I'm not saying that I will, but if I do, if I preach a sermon like that, here's the reality of that sermon. It came out of a jar of clay. It came from a decaying vessel. The treasure isn't the vessel. The treasure isn't the person even. The treasure isn't is what was, is stored within. The fact that God Almighty even gave a message to any of us to preach. That God gave to any of us a testimony. 
None of us are anything apart from the presence and the gifts of God in our lives. We're not worthy of the royal presence of the message of God that he delivered through his son. You think about it. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if Jesus Christ is in your heart and life, here's what that means. The very presence of God is within you. There's nothing within uh, about any of us that makes us worthy of that kind of a presence, of that kind of a blessing. That's the reality of life. We are jars of clay. We're perishable. We're unworthy of the treasure we hold in God's salvation. We are unworthy of it. Take a look at yourself. You are not worthy. I am not worthy of what God has entrusted in me. The salvation uh, that is in His Son, Jesus Christ. His grace, His mercy, His love. I am not worthy of that. Some people halt at being saved because they say, I've just done too many bad things. I'm just not I'm not worth saving. I'm I'm not worthy of being saved. Anyone who's worthy of being saved normally doesn't get saved because they're so self-righteous. We are unworthy people. That's the reality. We know of our fallibility by the reality of our lives. We're not above the difficulty of life, of, of, uh, of trouble in life. And here's what we find. At every turn, the reality of life is that we meet with resistance. Verse 8 of our text says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Paul gives four aspects of the difficult state that he found himself in and the difficult state of our lives as well. Sometimes these things come to us in spite of our faith, and sometimes they come to us because of our faith, but they come to all of us. There's not a one of us that doesn't experience some level of each one of these things. First of all, he said, we are afflicted in every way. That word means pressed. To be afflicted is to be pressed. Paul said that as believers, we are pressed in every way. From every direction, we are pressed. How many of you have lived that day? Would you raise your hand? You've lived that day in your life. Yeah. From every direction, we are pressed. To be hard-pressed is a challenge to our spirit. You can often see people who are weighed down. You can tell that they are pressed. It's mentally and spiritually and physically draining to feel that, that there is no escape. We are pressed We are trapped. We are pushed. We are hard-pressed. That is the resistance that many of us live with every day, perhaps, and all of us live with at some time. Paul reminds us that even though we may be pressed from every direction, he says, you will not be crushed. Afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Now, why are we not crushed? Well, because of the treasure that's inside these jars of clay. 
If we are an empty shell, we could be crushed. But if we have this treasure, even though in this earthen vessel, in this jar of clay, we should not be crushed because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We're trying to fix up our spirits today, but the reality is that we meet resistance. We are pressed. We are also perplexed. That's the next thing. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. To be perplexed is to be in a state of confusion that keeps us questioning our next move. It would be nice to tell you that as believers, we never question where the next step will be or what the outcome of our walk of faith would be. It would be wonderful for me to stand here and say to you, you can live by faith and you, can, you, you don't ever have to have a question about what the next step is really going to be in your life. I could tell you that, but it'd be a lie. <clears throat> That's just not reality. That's not the way that it is. We face the life that we live, we face some perplexities. We're not sure. It shouldn't change our faith. It shouldn't stop us from having faith. But the reality is that there are times when we're just not sure what the outcome is going to be. You say, could you give us a Bible example of this? I am so glad you asked. Here you go. There were three men, Hebrews, the Bible says they were, and they were threatened of being cast into a furnace of fire if they did not bow to a golden image that had been established by the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. The three men were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I have met met one person in my life named Shadrach. I've heard about a Meshach. I have never heard of Abednego. But they were the three men. These young men were men of faith. And they said, we will not bow to that image set up by King Nebuchadnezzar. We will worship the true and living God, even though they were threatened with being burned in a furnace of fire. Even after being threatened with being burned in a furnace of fire, they held to their belief. And they stated very boldly that they would worship God And God would deliver them, but they gave a caveat. Let me read that to you. Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Being perplexed, not sure of the outcome, is not a lack of faith, it's a condition of life. That's the way that it is. That's the way that it's going to be. We can be perplexed, but we don't have to be in despair because we're complexed. We all come to forks in the road, halting at which one to take. The resistance in life, the, the resistance in the life we live comes in the form of being pressed, and perplexed. In that verse, there were four resistances, areas of resistance. Here's the third one, being persecuted. 
people really get persecuted. Persecuted, Paul said, but not forsaken. Now, no one wants the experience of persecution, but it's a part of life. Welcome to the world. It's a part of life. Everybody experiences it. It's usually a part of life that we don't talk too much about because we don't want people, uh, we, we do not want people to think that we're complaining. So we don't say too much about persecution. Today, you hear a lot about bullying, cyberbullying. You hear about bullying in school. We have chapels on bullying here at North Florida Christian School. We're against bullying. We don't believe that anybody should be a bully. That being said, all of us get bullied. Persecution is a part of life. Persecution is when you feel that life is bullying you. If you think life is bullying you, take heart. Doesn't mean that God has forsaken you. Here's a promise to hold on to in Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, here's the promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You may feel like that you're pressed. You may feel like that you're perplexed. You may feel like that you're being persecuted. But the reality is that God is still with you. Here's another thing in regard to the resistance that we face in the life that we live. And that is to be put away. Struck down is what the the text said. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. You're going to get knocked down. So am I. That's the way that it is. We're going to get knocked down. We can be knocked down over and over and over again. We can be put away. We can be dismissed. We can be hurt in this life. But that does not mean that we're destroyed. That does not mean that we're destroyed at all. And, and in this world that we're living in today, there is a lot of negative news at home and, and uh, around the world, and, and it causes us to be saddened and it causes us to be down. But I want to tell you something, even though we might feel that we are being put away, we are not <clears throat> destroyed. Not only does life give us resistance without permanent consequences, But new life grants to every believer a responsibility. We've seen the reality of our lives and we've seen that there's some resistance to life. If you're a believer, I want you to know that you have a responsibility in life. Everybody has a responsibility in life, but believers have a a, a different level of responsibility. Verse 10 of our text says, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. That's why we need to fix up our spirit. We need it fixed up because we have a responsibility. We can't allow ourselves to live in defeat. We can't allow ourselves to live always down. Here's what we are. We're carriers. We're carriers of the gift of new life in Christ. We, we are just like people are carriers of the flu and carriers of this disease and carriers of that disease. In this vessel, we are carriers of a new hope that is within us. 
We are carriers. And we can't allow ourselves to get beaten down so badly with the reality of life and the stuff of life and the resistance in life that that we say, I'm not going to, to be a good carrier of the hope that is within me. We have resistance. But we shouldn't live in resistance. We live in Christ. Paul said for me to live is Christ. Not for me to live is dismay. Not for me to live is distress. Not for me to live is despair. Not for me to live is resistance. Not for me to live is perplexity. For me to live is Christ. Yet Paul admitted that he had every one of those problems in his life, yet still for him to live is Christ. You're trying to fix up our spirit. I think we've got to fix her up here, don't you? We've got a spirit that needs some fixing up. We live this life, and then there's the duty of this life. Sometimes I look at children, mainly little kids, and I try to remember what it was like to be young and without responsibility. I try to remember that sometimes. It's been so long that I really can't remember but maybe some of you can remember. Remember the time that you had no mouths to feed? Remember the time that you had no work that you needed to go to? Remember the time when, when you didn't have to plan so much for your future? Everybody else was planning your future for you. I try sometimes to drift back and, and to remember that. It's, it's not all that easy. To remember the day that you just woke up and and did whatever the day brought. I can remember some things that I did during the day in those times, but I can't really grasp what, what life was like back then. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church that when he was a child, he spoke as a child. But when he became a man, he put away childish things. And for all of us, there's that time in our lives where we have to say, okay, that was that. Here it is. That was life as it was. Here's life as it is. That's who I used to be. That's not who I am now. This is something of what he is saying in, in this portion of 2 Corinthians. Even though our spirits may be challenged and in need of, of remodeling to be fixed up, still there is a duty that we have because we're believers. This idea of I don't feel good gives way to the fact that I still have to go to work. This idea that I don't really want to gives way to I've got to. There is a, a duty in our lives referenced in our text in verse 11. For we who live are always being given over to death for Christ's sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we should also speak. This is talking about two kinds of life here. First of all, your faith life, the life that you and I live every day. We have a faith life. 
It's the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live a faith life. We go to work. We mow our lawns. We eat in restaurants. We work out at the gym. But we never walk away from a faith life if we have faith. We're manifesting or we're showing Jesus in our walk each day. That's our faith life. That's what it means to live our faith. This faith is what enables us to speak of the goodness of God. We're living our faith life. You've heard it said, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. I believe that. It's true. But sometimes our spirits are under such a load that we cannot see it, and certainly others cannot see the goodness of God. However, we walk by faith and not by sight. We have a responsibility to our faith life with an eye toward our future life. To live the duty of life is to live your faith life and to live your future life or understand your future life. Verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus And bring us with you into his presence. We're going to see Jesus someday. And that will make the wounding of our spirit and the difficulty of our walk so much better. When we see Jesus, the the song, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. And it will be. We have the duty of life is to live the faith life, but it's also to appreciate the future life. And we can live the faith life as we understand the future life. I think of a woman who was a member of this church when I came and stayed a member of this church until she went to be with the Lord. She was one of my favorite people in the whole world. I would often call her name and tell everybody she's one of my favorite people in the whole world. You say, Pastor Ray, you shouldn't do that. You're a pastor. I couldn't help myself. I I love this woman so much. And, And she was such a blessing to me. Her name was Betty Fell. Looking into the faces of some of you that knew Betty. Her name was Betty Fell a dear saint of God. She was a part of this church for so very long. Betty struggled to walk because of cerebral palsy. She just, she almost walked on her ankles. Her her feet were so broken down. She struggled to walk. She couldn't speak clearly. I could understand Betty, but I, I developed an ear for Betty, just like talking to somebody from France. I... I I developed an ear for Betty. I could understand Betty. Betty couldn't speak plainly. Most people people who first met her couldn't understand her. And as much as she wanted to sing, she couldn't sing. She just couldn't. I heard her try a couple of times. You know, the make a joyful noise unto the Lord. There was nothing joyful about that. It was tough. It was tough. It was tough. But oh, Betty, what a sweetheart. Betty lived each day knowing that one day she would walk. Betty lived each day knowing that one day she would talk. 
She lived with an eye to the future. Betty lived each day knowing that she would sing. Betty lived knowing that she could dance someday. Betty lived knowing that she could run and jump someday. Betty lived knowing that she could breathe and talk without coughing her lungs out. She knew that she could do that someday. She could and she did live with joy because she knew there was a future for her. And she today is living that future. Her old sad spirit. That The only time that I knew Betty to get so far down that it didn't seem like she could get back up was when somebody that she, she lived in the house with Ralph and Darlene Reynolds. Darlene's here today. And Ralph died before Betty. And I've never seen anybody get mad and jealous over somebody dying. But I went to see her in the hospital and she told me, I don't, I don't like this at all. What, Betty? Ralph went to heaven before I did. So you mad at God? Well, no, but I'm aggravated. Well, she's not aggravated anymore because she's living her future. Here's what Paul said. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we're of all people most to be pitied. If this is all there is, we are of all people. You say, but I like life. Yeah, I understand, but you have to understand this. These are jars of clay. You know, you guys, I got a couple of guys sitting down here that can throw fastballs into the 90s, well into the 90s. That's great. That is awesome. But you are living in jars of clay. And there will be a day when your shoulder doesn't work like it does now. There'll be a day when, when the release isn't what it is now. In fact, I think athletes as much or more than anybody else ought to be able to see their jars of clay because look how relatively short an athlete's career is. It's because of the jars of clay that we're in. We're living in jars of clay. Our spirit, wounded or otherwise, we have hope beyond this earth. It is through that hope that we can live a fertile life. Verse 15, for it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. There's purpose in whatever God is working in your life. Is your spirit down? I don't want it to be down. I wish it wasn't down, but that's probably because of the reality of life and maybe the duties of life. But here's the reality. God is working something out in your life. I got a very good friend who God is working something out in his life right now. Doesn't feel good, doesn't seem good, but God is working something out. Well, we're trying to renew our spirit. I've got one more thing to say to you. The life we live is the reason that our spirit needs to be renewed. The duty of life is a reason that our spirit needs to be renewed. And then there's simply the joy of living. He goes on and says in verse 16, so 
we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Our spirits, though downtrodden, can be fixed up when we realize two things. That first of all, life is preparation. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. This is preparation. Preparation for what? Well, here's what it's preparation for. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. We're in a time of preparation. My sister, I have six sisters and two brothers. One of my brothers passed away 23 years ago. But the rest of us are living. And I have a sister, and many of you have met her. Her name is Tawanda. Did you ever see fried green tomatoes? Tomatoes, And, and you saw that woman on there named Tawanda, who was just so wild, and somebody took her parking place, and... and, and and she rammed the people in the parking place with her car. And she said, I've got insurance. And she just was tearing them up. I think that character was made after my sister Tawanda. She's like that. Don't mess with Tawanda. She came to see the Passion Play. And she did pretty well until the final scene, the heaven scene. And then she lost it. I looked over there, and she was wiping her tears, and, and she lost it. And on the way home, she said, I think as you get older and closer to heaven, it becomes more real and dear to you. And I think she's right. As we live life and find our spirits being challenged more and more, we're encouraged to know that one day we will experience something that in this life is not even describable. We can have the joy of living because it is a preparation for a life that's going to be over the top. Here's the second reason that we can have joy of living. Not only preparation, but perspective. Verse 18 says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I know that we're all about living life today, and that's fine. I understand that. I understand that. I know we're all about, okay, trying to make sure we have a a good car or a better car or a nice home or a better home or a good job or a better job. And, And I truly, truly understand and appreciate and embrace that. However, we must live on earth with an eye toward the eternal. If you really want to enjoy life, live on earth with an eye toward the eternal. There is life and there is eternity, but there is more eternity than life. So live with an eye on the eternal. The psalmist said, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. I'm sure that many of us have matters of life that trouble our spirits. From your perspective, you may feel that there is too much hardness in life, just too much. 
You cannot see the joy of living. But remember this, what you see is transient. It's not eternal. It will not last. What we don't see is eternal. God is eternal. Heaven is eternal. Reward is eternal. Joy is eternal. And that's just a morning away. 